for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. May God bless you uh, for that. Uh, just please help us keep in mind and get the word out about our family day this Sunday. Um, we just believe the Lord for a great day in Him and inviting and believe that uh, there's going to be uh, visitors here that may not come any other time. So uh, we want you to invite as well. Um, ladies, if you can help us with desserts, um, all the other food is going to be taken care of. Uh, but if you can help us with that, that would be greatly appreciated. See Sister Kim with any questions on food um, or the dress code for the, the water slide for the kids in the back um, after the, the morning service. So a no p.m. service that Sunday night. We're going to make a day of it, and it's going to be a great day in the Lord. So we're looking forward to the great things that he has in store for us on Sunday. If you have your Bibles on turn with us, we're going to look tonight. Um, at the book of Luke, chapter number 4, we're going to read one verse there, Luke 4, verse 1. And we're also going to read one verse of Scripture in Acts, chapter number 8, and verse number 26. As our children are being dismissed to the class, thank you, Sister Pam, for uh, working with them for all that you do. Um, I was preaching several, I guess it was a Wednesday night, it might have been a Sunday night, a couple of months back, and the Lord, uh, while I was preaching, just said something in passing, and uh, the Lord laid a thought on Brother Eddie's heart, and the next service, he got up and said, well, while Brother Cor was preaching, the Lord laid this on my heart, and uh, preached an, an outstanding message. Well, things come around full circle, because while he was preaching the other night, uh, he said something, and read the, actually went to Acts chapter 8, verse 26, as he was preaching on Philip. And uh, preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch um, is where this message was birthed out of. God laid this verse on my heart, and immediately when he read his text in, in Acts number 8, the Lord began talking to me um, about this message tonight. And uh, just going to preach my heart to you, um, birthed out of what uh, the Lord said through Brother Eddie several services ago. Uh, but we're going to read Luke chapter number 4, if you'll stand for the reading of the word. Um, Luke 4 verse 1 And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. If you'll flip over to Acts chapter number 8 one verse, verse number 26 The Bible reads And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. I want to preach to you, if the Lord will help me tonight on this thought, don't despise the desert. Don't despise the desert. If you will, stretch forth your hands this way and ask God to anoint us and help us tonight. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for your word. God, it's marrow and strength for our bones, Lord. And we thank You for the Word of God. The same way that the manna that fell from heaven fed the Israelite children as they were in the wilderness. The same way that Christ said unto us that He is the bread of life. Father, Your Word is our life source. And it is bread for us. And we thank You for the strength and the nourishment that we receive tonight. Father, I pray that You would anoint us to deliver what you've laid upon my heart tonight. Anoint this your vessel. 
Let every word that's spoken be spoken in, in, the, in, in, in accordance to the will of God. I pray for your power and your anointing to make preaching easy and preaching effective. But most of all, let it be anointed tonight. May you speak to our hearts through your word. Father, may you touch our hearts as we pray around these altars tonight. As always, I have no talent, no giftings, no abilities in myself. God, but with you, through you, and by you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hide me behind the cross. Let my words be your words. Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen. And amen. In the English, if you were to read Luke chapter number 4 and, and Acts chapter number 8, um, there are no duplicate words that we can find are major words in the text. But if you go back and you study the Greek, and you look at um, the Greek words and Greek word studies, which I, I love to do. And that was the language that the New Testament was originally written in. If you were to look up that word wilderness in Luke chapter number 4, and you were to look up the word desert in Acts chapter number 8, it is the same word in the Greek, which is the word eremos. And that word is, is translated into the English as desert. And uh, in, in the, the Bible concordances and uh, study books that uh, you read as you're reading behind the Greek, and you look at the, the definition of that word eremos, it means a solitary, a lonely, a desolate place. It means and is used of persons that has been deserted by others, deprived of aid and protection of others, especially of friends, acquaintances, and kindred. In practical terms, it is described as a flock of sheep that has been abandoned in the wilderness without a shepherd. As we look at the context of the desert in spiritual terms, and we look at the practicality of the desert in practical terms, a desert is not a place that we long to be. I don't know if you've traveled out west much, but uh, I've been to... Las Vegas, I've been to Phoenix and the surrounding areas. And the desert is a very hot and, and oftentimes desolate place. I can say that I've traveled a lot of places in the world, including deserts here and uh, deserts in, in Kenya and Tanzania and Ghana. And I can tell you that none of those places do I long to just go back and see again. I love the people that's there, and I would go back for the people all day long, but I have never seen anything in the desert that I just think to myself, man, I have got to go back and see that again. I have lost nothing in the desert. It's hot. I think the heat wave out there this week is 110, 112, 115. I, I, I don't like that. I, I don't desire to, to be in that place. But if we look at these scriptures and we look at, uh, at what a desert means, God began dealing with my heart about the desert. And the first thing that I want us to see tonight is that spiritually there is purpose in the desert. There's purpose in the desert. And I want us to, to look and to know first and foremost in our text that we read tonight 
that it was the perfect will of God for both Jesus and for Philip to walk headlong in the desert. Now, if you would have given them their rathers, if they would have rather stayed in the, the lush wilderness, in the shade of the palm trees, or, or, or under an oak tree somewhere where it was nice and cool and climate controlled, and they had a, a river there that would sustain them, and there was wells of water, I believe that they probably, as you or I would, would have picked that well-watered place any day of the week. But it was not the will of God for them to stay in the well-watered place. It was not the will of God for them to stay under the shade and the provision of the palm tree or in a, a vineyard with grapes. It was the perfect will of God for them to walk headlong into the desert. Amen. God spoke to him through the desert. It was for Philip. The, word, the angel of the Lord came to him and said to go into the desert. For Jesus, the Bible says, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It was here that he was tempted by the devil and it was here that he was proved by his father. And you may ask, what is the purpose of the desert? Spiritually speaking, the same thing that transpired for Christ will transpire for us. There's going to be times where we enjoy the lush provisions of God. There's times where uh, uh, we are in camp meeting atmospheres where the glory is coming down and we're shouting at the drop of a hat and we'll drop the hat uh, if God will let us. When we're just caught up uh, in enthusiasm and we're caught up in exuberance of worship. Uh, but for every camp meeting atmosphere, for every well-watered place when times of refreshing is coming from the presence of the Lord, uh, there's a desert that the Spirit of God will lead us into. Uh, and there is a purpose for that. Uh, the same purpose that it was for Christ, uh, it will be for us. Uh, I guarantee you that two things are going to happen when you find yourself in a desert place, when the heavens uh, seem to be brass uh, and, and you can't feel God and it feels like uh, it's a dry and arid place where He's a million miles away. Uh, I guarantee you the same two things that happened uh, in Christ's life will happen in yours. Uh, the devil's going to start talking. Uh, the devil's going to start tempting. Uh, and God, uh, if we allow him to work his will in us he is going to prove us and we're going to come shining forth as bright gold amen philip was led to the desert not just for his own purposes but because a man was hungry for god and needed a preacher to expound on the scriptures for him amen for christ he was led into the desert so that he could be proved by the father and philip was led into the desert because there was a hungry soul that was there. Sometimes the desert is for us so that we may be proved of God. And sometimes God leads us to the desert not for our own selves, but for somebody else. There's somebody in the desert that needs a man of God to preach the scriptures to him. There's somebody that's also in that dry and desert and desolate place and needs a man or a woman of God to lead them out and lead them into a place, a fellowship with the Father. Listen, God doesn't lead men into the wilderness to kill them or to make us suffer, but He leads us there to make us stronger. God will learn more about your commitment and you will learn more about your character in the desert than by any river there is. 
going to say it again. God will learn more about your commitment and you will learn more about your character in the desert than you will in an atmosphere where there's shouting, in an atmosphere where there's revival and restoration. Regardless why you were there, there is an eternal purpose in the desert. Amen. And we must open our eyes spiritually and realize what that purpose is. Yes, there's times when as Acts says, that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And there's not a one of us in here that don't love to be refreshed and revived. But for every refreshing shower of the Spirit, there was also a desert, a wilderness, a wasteland. And I want you to know that the same God that allows the heavens to be open and rain to come down is the same God That'll lead you to the desert. That'll lead you to the wilderness. That'll lead you to that lonely place. I want us to look tonight for a few moments at some facts about the desert. I started studying a little bit about deserts. And before I knew it, it was about 3 o'clock this morning. I just had to shut it down. Try to get a little bit of sleep and said, I'll, I'll try to finish this tomorrow. But I learned some things about the desert last night that I never Brother Daniel knew before. We know that much of the earth's surface is covered by water. Different estimates tell you different things, but somewhere around 70 to 80 percent of the earth's mass is covered by water. But what I didn't know last until last night or early this morning is that about one quarter to one third of earth's land is considered Desert land. A half, or excuse me, a quarter to a third of its surface is classified as desert. And deserts can be found on all seven continents. North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, Antarctica. Deserts. We, we think of deserts being in the Sahara Desert in Africa. And yes, it is. But I didn't realize that the frozen tundra of Antarctica is also considered a desert land. The fact is, if you traveled on any continent, deserts are more common than what we think or what I realized. And I can tell you in the spiritual sense, spiritual deserts are the exact same way. They're a lot more common than what we realize. I've been in those places to where it feels like the heavens are brass and you can't get a prayer through. I've been in those places to where it feels like nobody in the world knows what you're going through and knows what you're facing. I remember I've testified and preached about it many times before coming down to, to Bible Way. I knew God spoke to my heart and told me to come down and be with Brother Eddie and, uh, and help him in this church full time. And about two months after coming down, I'm telling you, it was the greatest spiritual trial that I had ever been through. You were, the, the Horn family come one night singing. I don't think a single person was, wasn't hanging from a chandelier and running the aisles and shouting. Some were running the backs of the pews. God was moving and God was blessing. And I was sitting here with my hands folded, not feeling a thing, wondering, God, where are you at? I couldn't have squeezed an ounce of victory 
out of my life. It just felt like I, I had I'd missed God. I, I was narrow-minded in my thinking and just wondering, God, where, you're, where are you at? I stepped out in obedience. I knew you were leading me. Now everybody's shouting and running, and I can't, I, I can't and couldn't buy it. It felt like a blessing of God on my life. I, I couldn't get God to, uh, to talk to me. I couldn't feel Him when I would read His Word. It was just words on a page. And I, I made up in my mind that night, I'm going back home. I'll go back to Mama. I'll go back to my church. I, I missed it. I missed God. And God, that Monday morning, I was sitting there, tears running down my eyes, ironing my shirt to go to work. The Lord said, you go to that church tonight after you get off from work and I'll meet you there. First time in two months, I'd heard Him talk. First time I'd heard Him speak. I get off work and I come here. I, at that point, too scared to turn on the air conditioner or run a fan. It was um, July and August, about like it was outside. Five minutes in here, I was sweating down. Amen. Too scared to... Uh, to, to be worried about my comfort but I just started walking and talking with God Lord you talked to me you told me to come to the church you're going to meet me here I'm here a minute went by nothing hour went by nothing and I'm sitting here thinking do I really know the voice of God as well as I thought I knew the voice of God you told me you're going to meet me here I'm here in obedience. I'm hot. I'm sweating. I'm crying. I'm pouring my heart out to you, Lord, and nothing. Does anybody know the spiritual desert that I'm preaching about tonight? Nothing. The heavens were brass. I walked. I crawled. I ran. Lord, thinking I, I could do something to make God talk to me. Finally, I just crawled under to about the, the third pew, the old pews that we had set up. Crawled under that third one, just pouring my heart out to God. And Brother Meeks, it was then that the heavens opened up. It was then that I found an oasis in my desert. It was then that I, 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 God began to talk to me and began to open up my eyes and God confirmed that I was in His perfect and right will and I was exactly where... He wanted me to be. But since that time, there have been many more deserts. Since that time, there's been many other times uh, that I found myself through trials and circumstances uh, that I really didn't understand. Uh, and I've come to the conclusion uh, that spiritual deserts uh, are a lot more prevalent than we would like to admit uh, or we would like to confess. Uh, sure, there's a lot of times, uh, amen, when we're shouting the victory, but there's other times where we're crying and we're praying, God, uh, where are you at? Uh, many saints' journeys go through spiritual deserts uh, just as much as they do. Uh, the lush green valleys. Everybody loves Psalms 23 where it's talking about how green and how pleasant the valley is. About how the sheep are satisfied and they lay down beside the river because they're full. But you hear me for every Psalms 23 there's also a Psalms 102.6 that Brother Eddie preached from not too long ago where David said I am a pelican of the wilderness and I'm like an owl of the desert and I 
Paul finded himself in that solitary place for every perfect picture that we have in the word of God in our minds of Psalms 23 there's a Psalms 102 I am like an owl in the desert remember when you feel like you are in an isolated in a solitary place when the heavens are brass and you feel the heat of the desert surrounding you remember that God led you there God allowed it and if God allows something in your life God will bring you through it God did lead you to the desert amen for you to suffer he led you to the desert to make you stronger and if God led you to the desert God will lead you through the desert don't despise it amen don't reject it don't run from it but God has led you to this place embrace it there's something in the desert he wants you to see there's something in the desert he wants to do that he couldn't do in Psalms 23 but he wants to reveal it in Psalms 102 and it can only happen in the desert don't despise the desert most deserts receive less than 5 to 10 inches of rain per year and to be considered a desert land it has to lose more moisture than it gains in a, in a given year I found out early this morning that there's a desert in the nation of Chile in South America that has never received one drop of rain for the entire time that humans have been documenting weather. Brother Ray, there's never been a drop of rain recorded in that specific desert. Now we as Christians, we place a high value on the rain. We've already mentioned the rains of refreshing that falls from the presence of the Lord. But in a world that has gone crazy, God, I believe, wants to know that you can make it victoriously with or without the rain. God wants to know that you can make it. Amen. In an atmosphere and environment uh, where people are shouting yes. Uh, but what about the hard times and the lean times? Uh, when you go through a church service and you can't buy uh, an amen with a hundred dollar bill. Uh, when nobody's amening. When nobody's shouting. When nobody's running. Uh, and it feels like it's, it's, it's dry as cracker juice. Uh, amen. God wants you to have a little bit of metal in your soul. Uh, where you can still have the victory in your heart. Uh, whether everybody's shouting or not. Uh, amen. God wants you to be victorious whether everybody is crying on the altars or not. God wants you to live victorious. Amen. Whether or not. Amen. It's heaven on earth or not. Listen, there will be days where it seems void and an exuberant amount of God. But you can be victorious every day despite what you feel or despite what you think. That's what the desert teaches us. Yes, we need the rain. Yes, we need it for our survival. Yes, we need refreshing. But sometimes God allows us in those solitary, lonely places. Amen. To prove to you that He is more than enough. Amen. That He is all that you need. That He is living water. That He is the bread of life. That He is the
the way, the truth, and the life. And if you have Him, you have more than enough. God wants you to be just as victorious on Monday and Tuesday, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday when you're outside the church. Amen. As you are on Sunday and Wednesday when you're inside of the church. It is the will of God. Amen. For you to have just as much joy in the desert as you do in the church. It's the will of God for you to have just as much anointing on your life in the desert as you do in the church. It is the will of God for you to have just as much peace in the desert as you do in the church. And you'll never realize that if you don't go through the desert. There is a purpose for the deserts. Deserts are known for their extreme conditions. Some are classified by extreme heat, like the Sahara Desert or Death Valley. Others, like Antarctica, are known for their blistering cold. In the Sahara Desert, temperatures can vary 70 to 100 degrees on a given day. It can go from 100 degrees or over 100 degrees in the heat of the day down to below freezing in the night. Plants and vegetation in the desert have adapted to these extreme conditions. And because of their adaptability, the lifespan of some of these trees and plants on average are five to six hundred years old. As a matter of fact, there are some plants in the Sahara Desert that have lived to be a thousand to two thousand years old. The only way that this could be is if they become adaptable to their circumstances. That they become adaptable to their conditions. Listen, no matter the environment, whether we're on one extreme or the other. No matter if we're in a church where everybody's shouting, if we're at work where you think that everybody's gone crazy. Listen, God wants you to be just as godly in either setting. Listen, God don't want the circumstances that you're in to control you, but rather He wants you and your the Holy Ghost that's in you to help control the environment and the circumstances. Listen, we have the command of God to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That verse is not contingent upon your circumstances. Amen. It's not contingent upon your environment. Well, I've got to be saved around this crowd, but I can let a little bit of my standard down with this one. Or I can really throw everything out of the, out of the water around this crowd. No. Listen, regardless of where you're at, whether it's in the church house or the courthouse or at Walmart or at Sam's or at Piggly Wiggly, God wants you to be just as locked in and consistent everywhere that you're at. Amen. To not let the circumstances that you're in to control you, but let your life, amen, be the barometer for the circumstances. Amen. Let your light so shine. That is not conditional. We must be like those plants that are able to, to adapt to the circumstances. And no matter where we are, the life of Christ is prevalent in us. Amen. Despite barren conditions, many deserts contain oases 
that sustain life. We think of the Sahara Desert as one of the driest places on earth. I've flown over it many times going to Kenya, Tanzania. I've seen it, looked out the window, and it's just miles of nothing but dirt. You won't see one house. You won't see one animal. You won't see a village. You won't see nothing. Just wind blowing in the air, sand blowing in the air. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of that barren nothing of land, you'll find a city just popped up right there, right in the middle of nothing. As a matter of fact, I did some studying last night, and this blew my mind. But one of the largest reservoirs of fresh water on the planet is actually found just beneath the Saharan Desert. Barren nothing that you would think is not capable of sustaining life. But right in the middle of that nothing, you find an oasis. And you find civilization. And you find society. And you find a, a, a people group. In Cairo, Egypt, which is known for its desert land, some 20 million people live in Cairo and all the way around it. Why? Because it's built on an oasis in the desert. An oasis is a place that sustains life. An oasis is a, a river or, fr or fresh water where uh, life is able to be sustained and life is able to be kept. I believe it was an oasis, oasis in Acts chapter number 8 when Philip was there and he preached to the, uh, to the Ethiopian. The man accepted Christ and the Bible says that they found water and he asked what hinders me from being baptized. Amen. Despite the, the desert that they were in, there was an adequate supply of water. There was an adequate oasis that was able to meet the need in their life. Despite the heat, despite the cold, despite the difficult climate, despite the lack of rain, despite the isolation, we can find life in the desert. Why? Because God has allowed oasis. God has allowed that place tucked in the middle of barren nothing that people can go, people can survive, and life exists. Let me tell you something, beloved. It's the same exact way in the spiritual. How many times have we come to church weary? Have we come to church defeated? Have we come to church tired and drained? But on a Wednesday night, God drops us a little handful of purpose. God gives us a little bit of an oasis to where we're recharged, revived, renewed, and restored. Listen, if there wasn't water, if there wasn't an oasis, amen, then that there would be nothing in the desert. There would be no life. But there's life there because God has made provision for it. Listen, He's not going to lead you to the desert to kill you. No, but He's going to lead you to the desert so He can revive you. Amen. So that you can find Him in the middle of the desert. And when you find Christ, you have life. Amen. You have liberty. And if you have Him, you have everything that you need to survive the desert season in your life. An oasis 
in the desert. Even if we find ourselves in a prolonged season. If we have Him, He is our oasis. If we have Him, we don't need anything else. If we have Him, we have everything that we need. Sometimes God allows the desert for that thought to be reality for us. Listen, if God, if you never get to the place where God is all that you've got, you never realize that God is all that you truly need. Listen, that phrase sounds great in theory, but that means absolutely nothing to a man that has never gone through a trial. But for the man that has gone through the trial, and experienced it. That means absolutely everything to him. If you were never sick. You would never know him as the healer. If you were never broke. You would never know him. As the provider. If you never experienced conflict and turmoil. Then you would never know him. As the prince of peace. And if you were never in a desert. You would never know him. As your oasis. Oh, but if you do go through those difficult times and you do go through the, uh, the desert, He becomes, Brother Mings, that much more precious to us than He ever uh, could have been before. Amen. This, uh, when we go through the desert, we must realize that there's a purpose to it. Not just a purpose now, but there is an eternal purpose for the desert places of our life. We may never understand it now. But when we get on the other side, it's going to be picture clear. He's using the heat of the desert to burn everything out of us to bring forth a vessel, meat for His use, that He can then say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It was Moses that for 40 years enjoyed the pleasures of the palace in Egypt. It was for 40 years that Egypt had been poured into him. But for God to use him as his deliverer, there had to be 40 years in Midian, in the desert place, where God had to empty Egypt out of him to get him to the place where God could use him. There's a purpose, Moses, for the desert. There's a, a purpose for it. Many despise it. Many reject it. And as soon as they see hard times on the horizon or a trial coming their way, they turn back and withdraw. But listen, if God is bringing a desert your way, don't despise it. Don't run from it. But embrace it. Because every time He brings us to it, we must realize that God will bring us through it. Oh, there's a purpose for it. Don't despise the purpose. Amen. But allow God's purpose to be worked in us. Number one, there's purpose in the desert. Number two, there's power that results from going through the desert. If you don't believe me, look in the Word of God. The Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In Luke chapter number 4, verse 1. 
Three times the devil came to him and tempted him. Uh, tempted him with provision. Tempted him with power. Tempted him with uh, fame and fortune and everything that a man could ever want. Uh, but three times Jesus came back at him. Uh, amen. And told him. Uh, amen. That uh, man doesn't live by bread alone. Uh, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All three times uh, he combated the devil with it is written. Uh, and combated him with the word of God. Uh, and after that uh, the, the devil uh, left him alone for a season. But then the word of God says after he endured the temptation. Uh, that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee and went about of fame went about of him throughout all the region round about. Jesus had to go through a desert. Amen. But the purpose of his desert was to bring about power in his life. Philip, the Bible says he was led by an angel into the desert. But it was then that he began to see Holy Ghost power like he had never seen it before. And the Bible says he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went both down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found in Azutus and passed through. He preached in all the cities and came unto Caesarea. Listen, there was a purpose for the desert. That was to bring about the power of God in both of their lives. And it will be the same result for you and I, if we allow the desert to work through us, if we don't despise and reject it, but we embrace it and open ourselves unto God, we can see His power displayed in us in a greater way than we ever have before. There was power that was produced in the life of Christ. There was Holy Ghost power that Philip realized in the desert that he never would have seen in Jerusalem. The same way that there's Holy Ghost equipping power in the church that can only be found, amen, in dry places. But when we come through it on the other side, we'll realize we're stronger. We'll realize that we've grown in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll realize that His power is greater in us than it was before we went through it. There is a purpose in the desert, but there's power when we go through the desert. There's power in the desert. Curse to come help me. I'm done tonight. Not only is there purpose, is there power, but I believe that despite sometimes the barren conditions, when it's just us and God, when maybe it's a lonely place, we can still find God's provisions even in the desert. It was the children of Israel. They come through the Red Sea on the other side. We preached about it Sunday night. The waters of Meribah. When God made the bitter water sweet, but just after that, Brother Daniel, they were in a barren place where there was no vegetation, where there was nothing to eat. But it was then that right in the middle of the desert, Right in the wilderness of Shur, God began to rain down manna for His children every day to eat. That provided nourishment. That allowed them to survive. In John chapter number 6, the Bible said that our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread. 
from heaven to eat. Spiritually speaking, when you go through the desert, I've said it several times before, God doesn't lead you there to kill you or to make you suffer, but He leads you there to make you stronger. And the only way that a man can go through the desert with what the sweat, with the, the heat, with the conditions, the only way that he can come out stronger is if there's some type of supernatural provision that's there to bring him out stronger and more equipped. And I can tell you that that's true in the spiritual Listen, there's times where we're weak, we're anemic, we're going through trials and we're beat down. Spiritually speaking, it feels like we're in that desert. But God drops us a little handful on purpose. God leads us to an oasis to where He pours into us, makes us stronger, and gives us strength for the journey ahead. Tonight, I believe that that's what it may be for his church. Tonight on a Wednesday night, I know I'm tired in body. I know that I'm tired physically, emotionally. It's been a tough week. No doubt it's been a tough week for many of you. But tonight God wants to drop us a little provision down. God wants to give us a strength to bring us through the desert that maybe we find ourselves in. Maybe for you spiritually, it's been a prolonged desert. It's been a prolonged wilderness. And you're sitting here praying, God, where are you at? There's a purpose for it. And if you allow God to work in your life through it, you'll find out that there's power on the other side but you'll be able to look back and you'll be able to see the times that God dropped down provision. A handful on purpose. Manna from heaven. Spiritually speaking, to give you power, to give you strength, to make it through. I don't know where you're at, don't know what you're facing, don't know what you're going through. But on this Wednesday night, somebody may be in a desert. Somebody may be in a dry barren land where you feel prayers aren't being answered where things aren't transpiring exactly like you wish they would don't despise it stay faithful through the desert when you prove I've said this many times before but it bears repeating when you prove your faithfulness to God God will prove his faithfulness to you he'll never leave you He'll never forsake you. Oh, but He'll go with you even to the end of the age. And He'll give you power to be victorious. How many of you that will meet me in this altar tonight? 